Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. And look, with the NBA playoffs, PGA Golf Championship going on, BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. It's got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So what are you waiting for? Head to the website right now, BetOnline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. Experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod today. We're going off. We're going off a bit of a side note. We haven't talked to him for a little while, so we wanted to bring him back right now. The Chicago Blackhawks season is over, and here to do a postmortem is Blackhawk Up's own Jake Wheeler. Hello, Jake. Hello. Thanks for having me on again. Welcome back, man. Great to have you. And uh, you know, the last time we talked, man, it was on uh, obviously a lot more optimistic circumstances. You know, on March fifth, if you go back, the Blackhawks were thirteen seven and five at the time. You know, I just want you to kind of dive into sort of what happened because was it the schedule? Was it the lack of talent on the team or maybe the lack of depth on the team? What was it that had this team under 500 and missing the playoffs once again this year? I mean, I think I think the players kind of got tired. Um, I mean, they've never had this rigorous of a schedule. I mean, 56 games in what, four months, five months. So they've never they've never had that type of load to deal with. I mean, back to backs and traveling i know they're staying in a certain region but i i remember seeing on twitter a few times about how they're they're tired they're giving them like maintenance days so i think that had a factor into it but also this the youth of the team i mean they're an inexperienced team i think they were the the most inexperienced team in the league um so when you factor in that as well most of the guys never really having a full nhl season under their belt um along with, again, the, the rigorous schedule, I think. I think the wheels just kind of fell off. Um, I mean, they had a better season still than I think a lot of us expected. So we can't really complain with that. But certainly it was looking pretty promising back um, in early March. But, um, yeah, it was definitely just, I think, the inexperience and the, the scheduling based on the, the COVID protocol. Yeah, speaking of the scheduling, what do you think the effect had on – and look, during this pod, I'm probably going to bring up the Tampa Bay Lightning a couple of times. Uh, yeah. They were a huge problem for the Chicago Blackhawks this year. But not just the Blackhawks, but beyond in the NHL. What do you think it did to the league in general with certain teams and a team that had youth like the Blackhawks when they were playing these three-game series? You know what I mean? They would play the same team two or three times in a row just because of the way that the schedule. Do you think that helped or hurt a young Blackhawks team? I mean, I think that that helps it. I remember, um, I think it was Jonathan Taze a few seasons ago talking about how they wish that they would they would do more of these type of series because it, it limits travel. It, it, that limits travel, but when you take into effect like back-to-back games or just the amount of games in a certain amount of time, I think that's what hurt them. But I think the series are, are good. Um, and I think because they do, it's like baseball, because baseball, you have a bunch of series in a row against the same team, same place. And I think the NHL could honestly benefit from doing that instead of once, obviously, you're playing any team. Like if you have to travel like pretty far or whatever, you could just have like a, a mini series against them, have two or three games um, in like three, like four or five days where you stay in that same city. 
So you're not having to go back there as much. So it kind of limits the travel. And I think it's a benefit, honestly, to not even to the just the Blackhawks, but to any team um, because um, they might be more well-rested and um, they can kind of get, they can have an easier travel schedule um, going forward. Yeah. And as a fan, I kind of liked it. To be honest, mm-hmm. it felt very much like a baseball series. And yeah, I think that the NBA was trying to do something similar to this with their scheduling moving forward. I think it's kind of fun. I mean, it's one thing to have, you know, a team play them, you know, in, in the beginning of the season, the end of the season, but kind of bunching it all together makes it a little bit more of an event style. In yeah. terms of Blackhawks, you know, there were situations where it was just really hard for them to overcome, you know, certain types of their schedule. I mean, they really kind of started to run into a buzzsaw there when they're getting the Carolinas and Tampa Bay's. And then a hot yeah. Nashville team all yeah. kind of in a row. They lost six in a row to end uh, the month of April. You know, they had a three and eight stretch, I think, in total in the month of April. Mm-hmm. That just kind of really, really hurt their chances. Yeah. I'm going to read off some stats to you, and you just kind of tell me what sticks out to you. And for a hockey team in general, what the, probably the Blackhawks need to focus on moving forward. In terms of the power play, they were 11th in the NHL this year. In terms of goals, they were 17th. But in terms of goals allowed, they were eighth worst. Shots allowed second worst in the NHL, and the penalty kill was fourth worst in the, in the, in the NHL. Not really a lot of good stats, and probably a good reason why they're not in the playoffs. Which one out of that one do you think sticks out to you specifically for the Blackhawks that they really need to fix heading into the uh, I'd have to go with shots against because if you look at their cup-winning seasons, they they let up, I think, on average, anywhere between 20 and 25 shots a game, which is kind of right where you want to be around. But if you're allowing 30 plus shots a game, I mean, your goalies are going to get tired. They're, they're going to let in probably a few bad ones here and there just because of the amount of shots that they're, they're facing. But I think if you can fix the shots on that, that might help out the penalty kill and the defensive zone coverage, um, which, will fix, which will clean up the whole defensive game. But until they get their shots down, they won't be a contender. Like I said, right? If during their cup winning seasons, if they allowed 30, 35 plus shots on that, chances of them winning the cup de- decrease a lot. So if they can clean that up a little bit, I think they'll be a lot better. But again, with this young and, and inexperienced team that they have, um, it might take a few years for them to be able to clean it up. But I think even though um, next season, honestly, probably will be like this season, unless they make some drastic changes. Um, I think they still have a bright future, even with the the defensive prospects they have in the pipeline. When you mean drastic changes, are you referring to, because what this sounds like to me is like kind of the novice hockey fan is when you're looking at shots a lot and you're looking at penalty, penalty kill, mm-hmm. you know, Blackhawks have been trying to find that right blue line combo for a while now, right? Like Duncan yeah. the logging 20 plus minutes a night, but still yeah. they're to look for that pairing and that second, that second pairing too, as well to try and fortify that position. So what I'm sort of hearing like is that this, this transition on defense, this youth movement on movement on defense continues to happen. When you say drastic changes, does that have to mean unless they go out and get a veteran defenseman, you know, and spend probably some buku bucks on that, or maybe mm-hmm. a veteran goaltender. We'll talk about goaltender in just a second. Yeah. We're probably going to see more of the same as these younger players on defense continue to mature. I think so. Um, I mean, uh, one name that I've heard a little bit out there um, is Hampus Lindholm. Uh, um, he has one year left on his deal in, in Anaheim. Um, but then again, right, the Hawks aren't really in a spot 
where they are contending right now. So unless that they're really going to be contending, I wouldn't waste assets to try and trade for someone when, when they can just let their guys develop because obviously um, defensemen take a lot more time to mature than say forwards because their responsibility is the defensive zone. And a lot of young players aren't great um, defensively. So like a guy like Nick Bodan, um, Adam Bockfist, who are both probably more offensive than a typical two-way defensive defenseman. Um, they might take a few more years, They're also smaller. So they get knocked off the puck um, probably a little easier than some defensemen um, Ian Mitchell. But I mean, they have some good pieces in place, but like you mentioned, unless they go out and acquire a top two, top four defenseman, whether it's via trade or, or free agency, I think you'll probably see more of this going forward until the defensemen kind of come into their own or they go out and acquire someone. You like to see the 14 assists from Bachvis, but again, watching him play, I mean, I don't have to, I don't have to know a ton about hockey to know that the dudes still has a lot to learn on the defensive end in yeah. terms of covering his own zone. Let's get into Kevin Lankinen. Um, and let's get into the goaltending position moving forward with the Chicago Blackhawks. And this kind of all is sort of leading into what we're talking about. When you have a defense that, that is allowing the second most shots in the NHL, it really is on that goaltender to keep that focus and be on his toes every single game, the entire game, all the time. You know, when you came on the pod last, Kevin Lankinen was looking great, right? He came out of, he came out of the, you know, the gate really swinging, took the starters role, you know, you know, by the throat and really held on yeah. to it. But if you kind of like start looking at the stats a little bit, you begin to realize that, you know, maybe it is just him and maybe it's a little bit more about the culture, what they have defensively going on right now. The first 25 games for Lincoln and he was 13 and eight, 2.57 goals per game, 92% save percentage. Pretty good, right? Something you can yeah. work on final 12 games of the season, four and six, 3.72 goals allowed, 89.6 save percentage. Tampa Bay, again, gave him a really, really hard time. 4.42 goals allowed. 85.8% save percentage. I mean, he was 90% against pretty much every other team in the NHL, except for Tampa Bay, which really kind of dragged down that number a little bit. Yeah. You know, how would you characterize Kevin Lincoln in season? Is that all on him? And is he possibly still can be that goalie that they could perhaps build around moving forward? I don't really blame his falter on him necessarily. I think, I think he did, while he did play well and he kept the Hawks in games early on, I think the defensive zone coverage. I mean, they, they allowed a lot of shots. So, I mean, it's, if they're, they, they were playing him a lot too. So the fatigue is going to set in. I mean, it's his first full year in the NHL. I know he played in the AHL the last few years, but first full NHL season, um, a lot of games under your belt, back to backs, all of that. I mean, allowing 30 plus shots a game, he's going to get tired. So I think fatigue, defensive zone coverage probably came into play a little bit with his end of, end of the season play. But I think he did pretty well. I think he held his own there for a little bit. I mean, Carolina, Tampa, Florida, all top teams in the league. Obviously, Nashville, Dallas, they're, they're pretty good as well. So um, he's not playing light competition. And I don't know. I, I think I think give him a normal season, see how he does. But I've always been a big guy on Jesper Wallstead. He's a he's a draft el eligible goaltender um this upcoming draft. He's out of Sweden and 
Um, he's he's the last of, I guess you can call the big three of Spencer Knight, uh, Yaroslav Askarov, and then Jesper Wallstedt. And he's a 17-year-old, and I believe he's starting for his um, Swedish Hockey League team um, now, or at least he's backup. So I've always, I've been big on him. He's supposed to go early in the first round. So certainly wouldn't mind maybe seeing the Hawks take a, take a look at him. But um, I think when you say early, are you saying top five or is he going to maybe be in that top 10 area, which is probably where the Blackhawks are going to probably be looking. He's, he's been around from what I've seen. He's been anywhere between five to 15. It kind of depends. Um, but he's been ranked higher than Askarov and Spencer Knight were the last two years. So um, I would love to see them maybe take a chance on him um, to be their goalie in the future. I know they just drafted Drew Camesso um, from BU in the second round last year. Um, but I've always, like I said, I've always been high on him. Um, but Lankinen, he's he showed he has game this season. Um, plus, uh, a few years ago, he won um, the gold medal um, at the World Championships of Finland playing against all NHLers. So he shows he he's shown he has game. But I think what will dictate how he like going forward might be next season. I mean, if they don't draft Wallstead, um, then they're banking on Lincoln and being their guy, unless obviously Comesso comes in in a few years and plays lights out. Um, but it really depends on like how he's able to do next season, because after next season, he's also due for a new contract. So that's going to kind of dictate where the Blackhawks go with him. And also Subban and Delia, their contracts will be up too. So they're going to have to kind of figure out which path they want to, what they want to take. I just wish that we were maybe on a little more solid footing with Lincoln and moving forward the first half of the season, it sort of felt like it was trending in that direction. And now I think it still is a little bit more in that ambiguous area of what they do. Uh, yeah. Delia, what do you think, what do you think they do with him? moving forward because he came into the season as the guy they really wanted to see step up and make it happen. Lankanen took the job, you know, Subin had a really great month of February. So that kind of mm -hmm. kept him on the roster for a while. Yeah. What do you see him? Cause he got a couple starts to finish the season. I see a 37 save one goal game against Carolina on May 6th. Then he didn't allow a goal against Carolina over 19 saves, you know, a start previous to that. Do they still have faith in him? Is it time to maybe move on or, or, or is this maybe too early to tell? Cause maybe they do go after that guy in the draft. Yeah. Um, I actually had Delia winning the starting job. Um, we, with, uh, in our block hook up post. And unfortunately, obviously that didn't happen, but, um, Brave of you to bring that up and still to say, you know, like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm fine saying that. I mean, um, he played like, real well the last they, few yeah, years. They talked him up. They talked him up big time. Yeah. He played real well the last few years and he came out of the gate against Tampa and obviously Tampa being the defending champs. I mean, they have ton, tons and tons of skill. I mean, I have them repeating this year. So um, when you're, when you're a young goalie going up against the, the defending champs with, with a young rebuilding team, it's not going to bode well, but I do like how he played well um, towards the end, end, end of the season. I mean, Subban did too. Um, both of them, um had some good games but i think they'll probably i think lincoln will still be the starter next year and then i think they're gonna decide probably who plays better between suban and delia because both like i said both of them played played well um or as well as they could have um towards the end of the year um and then they'll probably decide from there who they'll have back up 
Um, and like I said, I don't know. Will um, the NHL um, mandate three goalies again? Um, because if they mandate three goalies again, then they have their three goalies again. Um, but if they don't, then obviously one will either be traded or in the minors um, next year, unless an injury takes place. But um, I think they'll probably keep these three goalies, um, especially with Lincoln and how, at least how he played early on. Um, and then they can kind of evaluate that next year. Um, like I said, all three of their contracts will be up following next season. And then they can kind of move forward based on how they felt after a full season next year. No possibilities. Maybe some Blackhawks fans are kind of hoping that maybe they'd go out and get a veteran goaltender. I see there's going to be some guys that are going to be available. You know, Tuka Rask is probably going to be out of the price range, right? But I see like yeah. an old an old hand like a Pecorine. I see like a Dubnik is also going to be UFA. Yeah. You, do you think they get into that mix at all, or do you think that they're they're going to be committed to? trying to figure out more of a long-term solution at goaltender there's no robin leonard coming right like yeah surprise yeah i i i don't think i don't see them going after a goalie i i think um because they all signed their their two-year deals i know lincoln and, and suban last year so i i see them sticking with the the young hands here trying to see if they can find their goalie of the future um if they were a contending team and they were just just looking for goaltending then I'd say look at like a Peter Morozik, a Pecorini, someone like that. But because they year two, you know, one year deal kind of guy. Yeah, because they are a rebuilding team technically. I would I would still stick with the guys they have now, um, unless they make trades um, that helps solidify their defensive core and even their some of their forwards. Um, I wouldn't go out and spend money on a goalie. Um, I think they have some capable they have capable goaltenders but of course if you don't have a good enough team playing in front of you they can only do so much so i think they they stick with them unless um unless they make some trades or signings that makes them um maybe propel to a contender which i don't see happening either so it's the defense man it's just the defense i mean they have they have some potent offensive weapons. You know, they're not like a fire, you know, it's not a firepower offense, right? But it's good enough yeah. to get the job done. They still have a lot of skill position players at that place. And I feel like that the goaltending, you know, whether it is hitting on Robin Leonard one year or, you know, hitting, honestly, I think we could probably consider Lankinen a hit this year. Mm -hmm. you know, they played great, but they, they did the right thing. And it's just about finding those blue line guys like in front of them to help, you know, maybe shoulder the load and God forbid not go second worst in the league and shots allowed for crying out loud. Let's yeah. move over to the offense real quick. Let's go to the positive real quick. Let's talk about Alex to bring it. Yeah. Man, hot streak to finish the season. I think he had a seven game goal streak, nine goals in that span, 20.6 shooting percentage. That was fourth in the NHL, 32 goals. Just talk about the season the cat had, because we've kind of seen these, you know, younger players, Sometimes maybe he had that great season, take a step back, but Duprinkat yeah. seems like he's here to stay. It was nice to see him pick it back up again. I mean, if you remember two years ago, he had 40 goals. Um, and obviously last year, he had a pretty bad year. He had a um, really down year last year. So, and then he signed his big contract, his big bridge deal. So it was nice to see the, the bridge deal pay off um, because obviously you don't want to spend uh, $6.5 million on someone who's only going to put up uh, like what he did last year. So it was nice to see him um, get, I think he was over a point per game this year. So it was nice to see, I mean, he, 
he I think he really took on another level this year and not even not even in, in his on ice play but also in his leadership I mean you saw him wearing the the a a few games I mean he's one of the more seasoned forwards that we have at least this past season with Taze out so it, it, I mean that says something considering he's like 22 23 years old so I think just the way he he started that he's been handling himself on the ice and off the ice. Um, he's looking like uh, a, a surefire guy and definitely a, a second round steal for the Blackhawks. We just have to make sure now that we don't uh, pull a Panarin and, and like trade him for like the ghost of Andrew Ladd or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's bring back be for the fourth time, uh, if at all possible. Um, I want to ask you about Patrick Kane because there's a couple things that you sort of look at on the stat sheet and you're like, Oh, okay. Is, is Patrick Kane losing it? But at the same time, you're like, Holy cow. He still was over a point a game this season. He had 66 points, but a career low 15 goals. You know, he had 42 points in the 24 Blackhawks wins. So obviously when the Blackhawks win, Patrick Kane is a huge part of that. Yeah. Well, again, he had a career low 7.9 shooting percentage. He only had four goals in his last 27 games, no goals in his last 11, only one goal in his last 17. Minus seven versus Tampa Bay. You just kind of don't like seeing your best offensive player taking a minus that hard when mm-hmm. you're your ass kicked by the lightning that, you know, by that much. Yeah. How do you characterize Patrick Kane's season. You know, w- was it a step back or some of these numbers a little deceiving or, or what's your, what's your take on him? I think it could be a little deceiving. I think he had a good year um, considering all everything going on. I mean, obviously Tay's not being around um, and all the youth that was in play. I mean, he wasn't playing with consistent line mates. Cause I know early on in the year they had him with, um, I think it was Soderberg and the Brinkett. Um, and then towards the end, end of the year here, I think they had him with um, Suter. And then I forget who was on the other wing, but they had someone, some other young player on the wing. And I think, I think considering he was point, they of uh, considering the youthful team they have, um, he had a good year. Um, I think he had almost 70 points um, this year. So considering, like I said, but I mean, obviously the goal category, it just, it wasn't finding him this year. Um, it just he's the guy, him, right? Like, does that kind of happen sometimes for, for NHL players? Yeah. I mean, look at the Brinkett last year. I mean, he, he kind of, the goals weren't finding him either. Um, it, it, it happens. Um, obviously you, you hate to see it, especially now that he's getting up there in age. You hope that he's not maybe, starting on the decline a little bit, but I think just based on his point totals in general, I think he did real well. Um, and like I said, he's a guy who is, he can pass and shoot. So he's not like a, a one dimensional guy where he can only pass or only shoot. So he uses his creativity a lot to maybe find other players who are open. Um, Cause everyone is drawn towards Kane. So Maybe he was looking for other guys. Uh, maybe he didn't have the the right lanes to shoot um, to shoot at this season. But um, I, his versatility with his um, offensive creativity um, is unmatched, honestly. So, I mean, in regards to Patrick Kane, like the guy is still, I still think, like you know, an all star in every regards. And yeah. he's actually cruising. I mean, I just if you look at those last twenty seven games. It's just kind of when they hit the skids a little bit is when Patrick Kane started struggling to score goals. The last 11 games of the year was by that point, you know, Dallas had passed them. Nashville was uh, was up by them by a lot. They were sitting in that four spot for that playoff position. Once it kind of came down, 
Patrick Kane's goals kind of sort of went away a little bit. So you would think that they were in more contention. He probably would have gotten to 20 and he's over yeah. game still, you know, how would you characterize, you know, Dominic Kubelik, a guy that had a huge year last year, you know, 17 goals, 21 assists this year, pretty good, not great. I mean, still a guy that I think we can perhaps keep around and build around, or did he take a step back? I think he had, I think he did well. Um, I'm not going to say he did amazing. I'm not going to say he did bad. I mean, I remember early on um, the ice time woes that I think we had, we even talked, touched upon last podcast, um, obviously with Carlton. Uh, but I mean, I, I think he was relegated to more of a second, maybe third line player this year. He still got power play time, but I think considering he was playing second, maybe even third line. I think he did well. Um, and he's a big uh, threat on the power play because um, of his shot. Um, and I think he had a good year. I think he's a guy that you, you keep around. Um, he's shown he's a contributor um, last year and this year. So I don't, I don't think you give up on him yet. Um, I think you, if you play him in more of a solidified role, maybe give him a second line role with um, – even with Kane, maybe. Um, but uh, it depends on obviously who comes back next year, um, what the lineup's looking like as to who he'll play with. But maybe give him like a second line role, first power play, second power play, but keep him um, in a consistent spot. Because if you're moving, if you move players up and down, they kind of lose chemistry with each other. Um, obviously, they might be in more of a shutdown role versus more of an offensive role. Because um, if you play third line, they're probably counting on you more to be a shutdown line versus a scoring line, like the, the, the top two lines. So I think, I think it might just be where he was played this year. Um, but I think you definitely keep him around because he's shown he's, he's not brutal defensively. Like he can, he can handle himself defensively. So um, I think he's a good depth scorer um, for the Blackhawks. And I mean, we, they have the cap space. So, um, there's no worry with um, his contract or anything. One more player, and then we're going to get to some bigger picture issues and then get you out of here. But maybe this is another guy that could be paired with the Cuba League moving forward next season. Another young playmaker, Kirby Doc. I I keep going back to him. You know, he had 10 points in 18 games when he came back from this injury, which is actually probably, I would say, encouraging for a young player yeah. to come back and play that type of hockey. For some reason, I just kind of feel like that he is a really integral part of the Blackhawks getting back to, I think this, the elite space in the NHL that all Blackhawks fans want to see, he really needs to come along. You know, what did you see from his game when he came back? Do you still have faith that he can be that guy moving forward that can be, you know, a top two line guy, you know, maybe paired with a Cuba league that's, you know, making some plays and, you know, maybe taking some heat and pressure off of guys like Patrick Kane. Yeah, I think, I think he's still got it. I think he's going to be a big part of the Blackhawks future. I mean, um, he did well point-wise, as you alluded to. Um, but I, I think, of course, he came back um, late in the season. Obviously, everyone had already been playing for a few months. So it took him probably a little bit to get up to game speed. And by then, right, he the season was almost over. Um, the Hawks were kind of in their skid. So he wasn't around when they were doing well. Um, but I think... I think you need to look at him as a big part of the future. Um, I mean, now that they got Henrik Borgstrom too, which I, I really like that trade from Florida. Um, Dylan Strom obviously still in place, Suter. So there's a lot of moving parts, but I think 
if you pair, if you put him on a line, let's say with the Brink and Kane, you can mimic the um, Panarin and Anisimov Kane line because it, Doc, obviously, he's a better Anisimov, but he's a big body. He can win pucks. Um, and then obviously, the Brink being a guy just like um, Panarin with that big shot. Um, I think if you put them together, um, you could see some big things from them. But it all depends on, again, who comes back. Um, like, will, will Taze be healthy next year? Because if Taze is healthy next year, that's that, that would be huge for a Doc and potentially a line of Doc to Brink and Kane. Because the Brink and Kane always play, play well together. So if you can kind of mim- mimic that line from Panarin, Anisimov, Kane to the Brink and Doc Kane, I think you could see some big things out of all three of them. That's my next question, my friend, Jonathan Taves. In your opinion, or have you heard anything new, any new updates as to not what's going on with him, but what his perhaps status is? And can you maybe put a percentage in your head right now on you know, a scale of one to 100? Does Jonathan Taves come back and play hockey for the Blackhawks next year? Uh, I haven't heard anything new as of late. Does I mean, it freak you out. Does that scare you a little bit? Because we seriously have not heard one thing all season long does that make you nervous because it makes me a little nervous it makes me a little nervous i mean i haven't heard like incredibly bad things with him i have heard that there's been some like encouraging signs and and whatnot but um i mean it is still nerve-wracking considering you don't really know what's going on um obviously he's a huge part of the team um offensively and defensively so you obviously want a guy like that playing. You don't want him sitting out, but he's got to take care of himself first. Um, but if I had to guess right now, uh, I'd go 50-50. I mean, you, there's been stuff out there about how he's trending in the right direction, but then there's stuff out there that like where you haven't heard, like you just haven't heard anything. So, I mean, Bowman, I think at the end of the season press conference mentioned how there's no real update on Taze right now. So, um, I I'd say 50, 50 right now until, until we hear otherwise, I wouldn't, I wouldn't anticipate him playing right now. I'd go into it look, without him. Um, that's probably the easiest way to look at it until you hear, um, that he is playing. Cause you don't want to speculate, especially with whatever he has going on. So if I were a Blackhawk fan, I would anticipate not having him, to, but, in order to be on the safe side, because you don't want to anticipate him coming back and then he doesn't come back. So um, I'd say 50-50 based on everything that's out there. Um, but until we until we get further confirmation, um, that's probably what I would guess. Just crazy. It's just crazy, man. I mean, you know, and there's nothing else in my mind other than, like, I miss Jonathan Taves. I love rooting for him, and I want him yeah. to be healthy. And even if he doesn't come back and play hockey – I still want the guy to be healthy. And it is just so strange these last couple of years, watching some of these Blackhawks heroes, you know, Andrew Shaw's career ended this year. Yeah. Corey Crawford's career ended Seabrook. this year. Seabrook's career ended this year. Hosa two years ago with, you know, honestly um, an ailment or condition that I had never really personally ever heard of before. So it was like yeah. new to me to learn about something, how, he literally can't put on hockey pads because of his, yeah. you know, how crazy is that? And then Jonathan Taves, it's just, it, it's just strange. It's strange watching these cup heroes 
not necessarily, you know, ride off into the sunset, but just have their careers cut abruptly in ways that are, I think, um, can be strange and hard for, I think, fans to take. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if you look at it with Seabrook um, and Shaw, um, I mean, it's just, it's the toll that hockey takes on you. I mean, they, they play. So that's NHL stuff, right? Like with, yeah. you know, it was, it was always, it was like the hip bone connected to the leg bone connected yeah. to the backbone that, you know, it was all, he couldn't get it together. Right. I mean, all, all the wear and tear that they've had, I mean, Shaw the last few years when he was in Montreal um, and then back with us, he had um, all those concussion problems. So, but I mean, with Taze, um, I, I wouldn't characterize this until, of course, we know anything about, but um, as a hockey-related thing, um, I think it might just be him. Obviously, I don't want to speculate, but um, like right now, I don't think it's it's based on hockey or based on like all the wear and tear from hockey. Um, I mean, Crawford, I mean, he went to the Devils um, and just, I don't think he was feeling that anymore. And he... Uh, there's a he lot of people pretty- about Crawford too that, you know, yeah. And then off ice, off ice stuff that I think, you know what I'm talking about that yeah, probably took him out of the game too, as well. And hopefully he did it for the reasons that it was going to help him live a long and happy life post hockey. Yeah. But I mean, it, yeah. I mean, some of it's hockey related wear and tear and some of it's personal reasons like Crawford and Tay. So um, it is weird seeing all these guys that, that, one to three Stanley Cups that you you rooted for for so long, all, all retiring now. I mean, hosts obviously with his disorder. So um, it is weird. It's tough too, but at the same time, it, it means um, new players um, are coming into the game. Young players are coming into the game. I mean, the game's only getting younger. You see every year teams go younger and younger. So um, it's exciting to see them get the opportunity um, and hopefully they'll be able to make the most of it. And then, um, turn the Blackhawks or whatever team they're on into a, um, into a champion. So, and uh, speaking of that opportunity, you know, let's just kind of do a quick little preview of this off season coming up. Now, clearly we yeah. talked about Taves. We don't know what his 10.5 million is going to do or not do towards the cap next year, but maybe you can help me out with this. I was trying to crunch numbers. It's really hard to figure out in the NHL, but it looked like that the Blackhawks might have anywhere between maybe seven to 12 ish million dollars in cap space in the off season. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what do you think that could possibly be spent on is it, could it be a bunch of nip tuck stuff to sort of keep some of these guys around, you know, some of the dudes that are RFA UFA, you know, uh, some of these guys just probably aren't going to be back with the team next year, not major pieces. Yeah. Could the Blackhawks go out and, you know, maybe make a move for someone like a second line offensive player, maybe some sort of blue line guy. What do they do with that cap space? Because it's like for Blackhawks fans, they haven't had it for so many years. I know. It looks like you want to run out and spend every single dollar right away. Uh, right away. What would be the most prudent thing for them to do? What I think they should do is they should take on some bad contracts um, from teams and get assets with them. I mean, look at the Florida trade with Brett Connolly. We got, Henrik Bjorkstrom, who we just signed, and he's a promising player. He, he tore it up in college with Denver. Um, he was over in Finland this past year. He did pretty well out there. So if they can maybe try and get assets from a few teams, maybe, I mean, look at Andrew Ladd, um, Ocpozo, Lucic, James Neal. I mean, there's a few other guys out there who are still playing but don't have good contracts. So if they can get, like, 
first round pick, second round pick, good prospect, like something like that in the deal, then it'll accelerate their rebuild a little bit. They'll be able to get some depth within the organization. Um, but that, that's what I think they should do because in my opinion, right, they have, they do have depth at each position based on the young players growth this past year. But um, I mean, they almost have too much, um, especially if the COVID protocols aren't going to be in play next year with uh, all the, with the taxi squad. And um, there's for a rebuilding team, I wouldn't go out and sign some older free agent. Um, I mean, they're probably looking to win. Um, so if you just stick to the plan and maybe, like I said, pick up some veterans who are on bad contracts and then get assets with them. Um, those veterans can help out a little bit, um, but you also get more for the future to help out. Um, I mean, just look at the, the defensive core, look at the forwards, right? They have a lot of depth, a lot of youth um, at those positions that they're, they're gonna have to figure out. I mean, Gaudet now too. Um, Nylander will be coming back next year. Um, so they have a lot of they have a lot of decisions to make. Obviously, the expansion draft is coming up as well. So um, they have a lot of roster decisions that they're going to have to to sift through here. But um, I think they should do the Brett Connolly route and pick up some bad contracts for with assets um, in order to um, maybe with that cap space and then get some um, additional um, assets for the future. It's a great call to me, right? I mean, it gives you some flexibility and you can put some talent on the ice right now. You're also bringing up a great point, and maybe it's, maybe it is kind of hammering into what's going on a bit with the Blackhawks right now because they feel a little stuck in the mud, right? Where you said that they've got a lot of guys, they have a lot of depth, and you know, you hear that and you go, "Well, why is that a bad thing?" Well, it's probably not a bad thing, but to your point, they got a lot of guys. They don't know who the guys are, though, right? Like, they're still yeah. trying to, like, kind of audition all these different dudes, and I'm just – I'm automatically thinking of the defense in this particular situation. And the mm -hmm. fact that they haven't been able to identify, you know, maybe at least two or three guys. I mean, I think Bachvist is going to be – I think he is probably one of those guys or one yeah. of the guys they're going to give the longest run to. Maybe Ian Mitchell is another guy. But they have so many dudes, right? that they really need to start hammering in and trying to figure out who the yeah. dudes are moving forward and then create that depth kind of from there. Final yeah. question for you. And, you know, this is the Blackhawks fans' biggest fear. So be brutal. Be honest. <laughs> Give me the truth. You know, uh, Kane, and let's throw Taves in there. They got three years left on their deal. Keith's got two years left on his deal. As it stands today with the Chicago Blackhawks, with those guys left on their deals, is it realistic to think that we're going to see our favorite Hawk heroes in a deep playoff run within that span of the remaining, the remainder years of their contracts? I don't think you'll see them um, winning within those remaining years. I think if they were to resign um, after those contracts are up, I think that's when you'd see it. But I mean, with the projection um, and the rebuild and everything going on, I think maybe in three years, if everything goes to plan and they have a bunch of guys that step up, play real well, they can they can draft get fixed. Totally. 
fix the defense, drop the goalie, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I think in three years, possibly you can see that. But in my in my opinion, I I think after their contracts are up, if they stick around, that's when you'll probably see it because um, Kane and Taze won't be making ten and a half uh, million after this. So they'll save cap that way. Keith obviously won't be making five and a half um, if he sticks around as well. So they'll save cap on them. Um, they'll be good depth players as well. Um, they can help the young guys um, mold their game, um, find their game. But like I said, I, I don't see it um, until afterwards, maybe in three, four, maybe five, but probably more along the lines of three or four. Um, but then again, right, they surprised us this year. So I don't want to complete, completely write them out. But until the defense gets fixed and the shots on net get fixed, um, defensive zone coverage, whatever, um, until that gets fixed, then I, I can't see it. Um, which And I don't see it being fixed in two to three years because, I mean, the, with Bowden coming up, Kalni up, they got Stillman now, Mitchell, Bockfist. Like they have a lot of good youth, a lot of good young players coming up, but they got a defenseman. They got to start, defense, you know, maturing, evolving. Yeah. You know? Defensemen take longer to develop um, than forwards. So um, I think, uh, I think once the defense gets fixed, then you could start to argue that they'll be on the uprise and, and everything. But until they fix that until it gets under control where they get 20 to 25 shots against per game. Um, I can't see it. Um, and like I said, since they're rebuilding, um, I, I just can't see it in the next two or three years. I was worried that you were going to tell me that. And, but you know what, man, look, that's what it's looking like. And, and you're probably right. Right. So maybe I just start crossing my fingers that there's a 37 year old cane, on the third line, you know what I mean? In the yeah. Western Conference Finals, you know what I mean? Maybe popping one in the back of the net and we get a little bit of that thrill of our heroes still on the team, maybe trying to help us build a big winner. Jake Wheeler from Blackhawk Up. We're going to get you out of here. One more thing, just real quick. My wife, huge Penguins fan. Yeah. Big time, big time Penguins fan. Big time win last night against the Islanders. Just give us your quick little handicap. You know, do the Penguins do the Penguins got enough this year? Is Jari is is he enough behind goal to maybe help take them pretty deep, or you know what are you seeing out of the Eastern Conference right now? I think the Penguins have a lot of depth. Um, they have a lot of forward depth, defensive depth, and then even goaltending. Getting like they're they're fine. They're fine there. Um, I think Jari obviously his first full season um, without Matt Murray there. Um, the defense, I think you still have some questionable pieces. Um, I mean, Matheson, um, his tenure in Florida wasn't the greatest, but I think um, he had a, a solid year in Pittsburgh, obviously with CC again, he didn't, he didn't have the greatest tenure with Ottawa, even Toronto, but he's played pretty well there. Um, but I think Jeff Carter has been a big addition for them. I mean, he has like 11 goals in like eight games. Right? Yeah, it's one of those um, those awesome like when they make yeah. that trade for the veteran and then he comes over and just pops right away. That's like the yeah. best trade in any sport. So he's like a perfect third line center for them behind Crosby and Malkin. So they have a lot of depth. So they certainly can make a run at it. Um, 
I think they'll beat the Isles. Um, the Isles, I don't think, have enough star power um, to get them through. I mean, Barzal, don't, we, don't, don't get me wrong, he's good. but They're going to try think, to punch their way out of this series, though, right now. <laughs> it's yeah. Like every, every dead puck right now, it's, it's, it's playoff hockey. I mean, the Islanders. Yeah. I, I think until they pick up a, a sniper to play with Barzal, even like a line A, right? Um, I think until they pick up someone um, to play with Barzal, I don't think, I, I don't think they win. Um, so I, I think it's looking, it's looking good for him. Um, and I, I think they play either Boston or Washington in round two. Um, and honestly, I would probably pick them over either of those teams as well. Um, Boston um, playing real well since they got Taylor Hall, but I think they have some defensive woes. I mean, losing Chara um, and I don't know. I, I think they've got a few defensive woes. And then obviously Washington. Washington, I think, has goaltending woes, um, even maybe a little defensive woes as well. But um, I like Pittsburgh over those three teams. Um, granted, anything can, hap can happen in hockey. Um, so I wouldn't write out the other teams. But Sounds like um, maybe Vegas is the one that's, that could be staying standing in their way then. Yeah, I, I think um, I think they have a good shot, but obviously with Tampa Bay and Colorado, Vegas um, being all uh, forces this year, uh, maybe not so much Vegas right now, but um, Colorado and uh, Tampa Bay definitely. I think I think they'll have the work cut out for them, but um, I think it looks pretty pretty good for them. You hear that, honey? They got a chance. They got a chance from the expert right here. Blackhawk Cubs, Jake Wheeler. Thank you so much for coming on Believe in Betting Chicago with Joy Christopoulos. Real quick, before you go, uh, just throw out a Twitter handle or any uh, any way that people can check out your work right My Twitter is, let me check, actually. It's Jake underscore Wheeler 24. I, uh, I tweet a lot of my articles out. You can check those out. Um, I tweet just mainly about hockey, big hockey guy. Um, my, my other jobs are all hockey related too. So um, that's pretty much my life right now. So um, if you enjoy hockey, um, be sure to check me out. My friend, thank you so much for coming back on the pod, man. I love talking to you and uh, hope to have you back again soon. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you. Today's episode of Believe in Betting Chicago with Joey Christopoulos is brought to you by betonline.ag. Make sure you head to that website right now because it's free to sign up and you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. How can you say no to that? Thank you so much for listening to this pod. We got plenty more coming the rest of this week. So until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. We will talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.